John chapter 12, and we'll begin reading in verse 12. The Bible says, On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him, and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they these, that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. Now, from time to time in your life, there will be some things that will happen that you won't understand. Uh, Jesus was washing Peter's feet. He said, now, what I'm doing, you don't understand now, but you'll understand hereafter. Now, uh, when it comes time for um, trials to hit in your life, sometimes you're not going to understand what the Lord's doing <laughs> Sometimes you just have to trust and obey. That's a great hymn. Amen. Uh, after you're saved, you need to learn to just trust and obey, even though the Lord's going to allow some things that will not make sense to you. Verse 18, For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle, speaking of the raising of Lazarus. Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. So here came some Greeks. Jesus had come to be the Messiah for the Jews. And they're all looking for that Jewish kingdom. And by the way, it's still coming. They weren't. Amen. They were not incorrect. It just wasn't time right then. They rejected it right then. Stupidly, but they did. And here came some Greeks and said, Hey, we want to see Jesus. So in this setting, look at verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. He said, Oh man, when the Gentiles are coming in, when I'm supposed to be here for the Jews, and they're not even receiving me, okay, it must be about time. For sure. Verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And we can look at examples from Baptist history where somebody died for the Lord and a whole bunch of people ended up getting saved. Amen. That's true. Verse 25, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Boy, that's an interesting contrast. Interesting irony, isn't it? you love your life, you lose it. Sometimes the thing that you sacrifice everything for, you wasted all that effort because you didn't get to keep it anyway. <laughs> the thing for you to do is just obey God. You know what people do a lot of times? Well, I, I've got to compromise here. If I don't compromise here, I'll lose my boyfriend or my girlfriend. <laughs> so they compromise, sell out, give everything up, and guess what? They lose them anyway. <laughs> Amen. Well, if I don't do this, I won't keep my career. So they sell out on God, compromise, do something that they know is wrong, and end up losing that career anyway. Well, if I don't give in and do this, I won't get to have any fun. 
So they sell out on God to try to keep their fun, and they get it, end up not getting to have any fun anyway. One of the devil's favorite tricks, and this is to everybody, but especially you young people, is to get you to sell out in sin in order to keep something. That's a good point. Money, sweetheart, a rocking good time, who knows what. Here's the problem. The devil knows that even after you sell out on God, he ain't going to give that to you no way. You sold out for nothing. You lost on both sides. Now, yeah, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but you don't really get anything out of it. It's just a little pleasure for a short time. As far as any lasting enjoyment, you get zero out of it. Amen. One of the great tricks of the devil is to make sure that you don't get anything out of serving him. He loves that and laughs while you lay there and cry over all you've lost. You say, well, I've seen people that live for the Lord and they lost a lot too. Yeah, they did. But they kept Jesus. You don't have Jesus and you didn't get your fun. You're in bad shape. Amen. You've got nothing. And if you want to read some stories on that, you just read about the famous and the celebrities and the beautiful people and see how they don't have anything. That's true. They got a psychotherapist and some drugs and some alcohol, and that's all they've got. Bless their hearts. But here came some people, and you know what they wanted? They wanted to see Jesus. I want to preach to you this morning. We would see Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your word. And I pray that you'll take these things and help them sink down into our ears and minds and hearts and change us from the inside out. And Lord, I pray that we'd see the thing that we've been searching for this whole time is Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I want to say this morning that men desire to see Jesus. Now, when I say that, I'm not bragging about man's spiritual discernment. He doesn't have any. When I say that, I'm not denying his total depravity. He is in every facet of himself depraved. Nonetheless, from time to time, people get wanting Jesus. As a matter of fact, I can guarantee you right now, Jesus is exactly what you're wanting. You may not know it, but that is what you're looking for. You're looking for a, a, a great leader to follow? Jesus is the best one there is. Amen. You're looking for a great man? Jesus is the perfect man. You're looking for a God to worship? He is the Son of God. You looking for our origins? He's the Creator. You looking for the right ruler? He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Everything you're looking for is wrapped up in Jesus. I know it sounds like I'm oversimplifying. I know that sounds like that's just a cliche that we say in church. Jesus, 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 y'all just need Jesus. He literally is everything you need. Amen. Well of water ever springing, bread of life so rich and free, untold wealth that never faileth, my Redeemer is to me. Hallelujah, I have found Him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings. By His blood I now am saved. You're looking for eternal life? You get that through Jesus. Amen. You don't want to die? It'll be Him you go up in the rapture to see if you don't uh, die a physical death. He is the answer to everything you're looking for. You're looking for safety? You're in some danger? Safety is of the Lord. I, I can't think. You, you're having trouble and you need to get with somebody and pray? What did Jacob do? He found a man and wrestled with him all night. 
and then said, I have seen God face to face. Who is the God man? That would be Jesus. Amen. Who you're looking for is Jesus. Even in his lifetime, Jesus was very popular, often thronged by crowds. Since his death, the religion that bears his name has for many years been the religion with the most followers in the world. The very dating of our calendar is changed by his life. They, for years and years we called it B.C. before Christ and A.D. Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. Now they've changed that to B.C.E. before the common era because they don't want to admit that he changed everything. Amen. The holy book of Christianity, the Bible, is the world's all-time bestseller, or at least one of the very, very top. Even in our increasingly secular age, with open sin becoming nor normal, in this century, the top-grossing movie of the year was The Passion of Christ, a movie about Jesus and Him dying on the cross. And I'm not recommending that everything they did was right in it. I'm just saying... People are interested in the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Even the false religions of Judaism and Islam teach that Jesus was a very good man and a prophet. Even those who deny he is the Son of God admire him and study him. Jesus is desired by mankind. Now let's talk about that just for a few minutes. What does this desire imply? How is it that everybody's so interested in Jesus? You see somebody and they're wearing a crucifix. What's that a representation of? The cross upon which Jesus died. How often do you see somebody wearing that? Why are they wearing that? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus changed everything in history. This, this implies that they've heard something about him already. Verse 12 says, When they heard that Jesus was coming. They have already heard about Jesus. You knock on doors in Crossville, Tennessee, and I've done it. You know what people will tell you? Yeah, yeah, I'm trusting the Lord. Yeah, my grandmother, she brought me up in church. Yeah, my mom and dad, they brought me up in church. Yeah, we go down here to such and such. Where, where is all this religion coming from? It's coming from people talking about Jesus. You say, well, all these church people ain't doing things exactly right. No, none of us do. But I'll say this. It has permeated our culture and changed things in ways nobody else ever has dreamed of. Amen. They've already heard something about him. I'll tell you something else. They want to learn more about him. Women in particular are very intuitive about men. That's very true. Men, we don't really think about things. We're too task-oriented. We don't think about our feelings and how we're feeling. And you know, you won't, It's all you can do to get a man to sit down and talk about his feelings. But women notice those things, and they notice how somebody makes them feel. Let me tell you what the women did. They loved Jesus. That's true. There was a group of women that followed Jesus everywhere he went. They knew there was something different about that man. I'll tell you something else. The soldier took part in crucifying him, knew there was something different about him because of the way he took death. He said, truly, this was the Son of God. They wanted to know more about Jesus. In our day, when men are told not to be men, and they're told to do everything just as feminine as they can, and all of a sudden somebody like Jesus shows up, 
the Son of God, everything He's supposed to be, the perfect man as He's called in the, in the New Testament, people say, wait a minute, I want to know more about that guy. And it's good. there's even more of a need for Him than ever before. And don't get me wrong, it's always been glaring. But more and more, it's noticeable, we need Jesus to show up. We can't find many men these days. But sadly, they need direction toward him. They know there's something to him. They know Grandma and Grandpa talked about him. They know that nature declares the glory of God. They know there's something to this Bible. There's no, they know there's something they should respect about it. They know it's something wonderful and sacrificial and loving that he died on that cross for us and shed his blood but they just don't know how to get there. When my pastor that I was brought up under in childhood, Pastor Bill, told his testimony, he talked about the fellow coming to visit him that night. and He had just had a big beer party and they was cleaning up. and uh, He was so aggravated right after that party while his mind was kind of on loose sets of things that all of a sudden a preacher is knocking on his door and he's all aggravated. and He's trying to think of a way to get rid of the guy and he came up and got talking to Pastor Bill. Of course, he wasn't Pastor Bill at that time. Rod Bill, we'll call him. He was talking to him about a, a, a car that he was fixing up to take down to the racetrack, kind of a hot rod, and kind of connected with the pastor while he was talking about his hot rod out there. But then, sure enough, a few minutes later, he directed the conversation around to the Lord. And he said, you, Rod, you know you need to get saved. Why don't you get saved? And he just kind of hung his head and said, I don't know how. And the man showed him. And he got saved, and I don't know how many people's lives changed because Rod Bill got saved. Hey. I heard a testimony just recently where a guy told me about him getting saved. You know what he said? He said, I don't know how. Somebody showed him. Here show some Greeks. And they come and say, in verse 21, we, sir, we would see Jesus. Let me tell you what people are looking for if you're here today and you're saved. They're looking for somebody to show them Jesus. Show them Jesus. Don't use the, the filthy language of this world because as soon as they hear that, they know you're just talking like everybody else. You don't have anything different to show them. Don't act like the messed up people of our day because they know as soon as they see that, you're just like everybody else. You, you can't offer them anything that can help them. Jesus was different. Now, as we read in the devotional today, Brother Spurgeon wrote, he didn't care how messed up you were and how putrefying your sores were and how gross your disease was. He could help you. But let me tell you about him. It didn't mean he took part in your sin with you. If you want to help people, you will have to be different. Don't misunderstand. Don't get thinking that by being cleaner and better that you can't help people in nasty, messed up, sinful lives. But you be sure you're not in there. Because the Holy Spirit of God works through and convicts people that are in fellowship with Him. And Jesus helped the nastiest, most messed up people there could be but Jesus wasn't nasty and messed up, was he? You and I are. You and I are. 
But the closer we get to God, the less we'll be and the more blessed and help we can be. And these Greeks, when they came, you know who they came to? They came to the ones that were in fellowship with Jesus. And they said, Sirs, we would see Jesus. And they went and told. They went and told somebody. People need direction toward Jesus. But the first thing they need to know about is this. Notice Jesus doesn't go to them. Say, oh, wait a minute, tell them. Tell them about the fact that I'm virgin born. Not one person has ever got saved because of Jesus' virgin birth. Now, don't misunderstand. That's a, that's a fundamental of the faith. Amen. That's not where your salvation comes in. Amen. He doesn't say, hey, tell them about how I've healed the sick and raised the dead and turned the water into wine and walked on water. Now, those things are all true. I believe every word of Scripture. But that's not the gospel we're told to believe. How many of you believe that Jesus walked on the water and boom, you got saved? <laughs> now, I believe that Jesus walked on the water, but that's not what saved me. Amen. You know what saved me? When I put my trust in His death and His burial and His resurrection. Amen. The other things are true, but the salvation came in trusting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that people need to know about our Lord Jesus is that He died and was buried and rose again the third day and watched Jesus answer exactly that way. As soon as he found out some Greeks were coming to see him, what does he do? Does he go to them and brag about his miracles? No. He says, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, there's his death and burial, and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. There's its resurrection. That's what Jesus brought up when the Greeks wanted to see him. That's what this desire implies. They've heard something about him already. They want to learn more about him, but they need direction toward him. And the first thing that they need to deal with is his death, burial, and resurrection. The wages of sin is death. Jesus took my death for me. All right, secondly, why this desire arises. What happens where this comes up? Number one, mass interest. Verse 12, it says on the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem did all these things. Verse 19, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, perceive ye how you prevail nothing. Behold, the world has gone after him. When he came back on that donkey, it looked like the whole world was welcoming him in there. The Pharisees said, we told you to disperse these crowds. They were envious at the power that he had. And they said, you didn't do any good. It looks like the world's after him. Let me tell you something. There is mass interest in this world for Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's true. And when people hear him being talked about, they say, wait a minute, there must be something going on here. Paul said, some preached Christ by envy and strife. Supposing to add affliction to my bonds and some sincerely, he said, I'm happy either way, Christ is preached. Let me tell you something, mass appeal of Jesus Christ is a good thing. Now are some people doing it for bad motives? Yes, they are. Are some people getting some facts about it wrong? Yes, they are. But you know what that does? That gets Jesus Christ publicized. Now I'll go and preach the truth about him. Amen. Mass interest. Matthew chapter 21. I'll, uh, I'll turn right over here to Matthew and read this to you right quick. 
Matthew 28, verse 21, verse 8, And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed, he had a big, huge crowd in front of him and the big, huge crowd behind him, cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. They said, Who is this? It's the prophet. Well, yeah, he's a prophet, but he's also much more than a prophet. The first thing he did was go into the temple and clean house. Uh, he wasn't as popular uh, with some of the people after that, especially the religious ones. I mean, he, he tore them up. But that's why this desire arises, because of mass interests. Now note, Jesus does not rebuke their excitement. Somebody said, hey Jesus, stop them. Look at, look at what a scene they're making here. Let me read that from Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 37. Let's see. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Jesus said, No, I'm not going to stop it. Now, I understand what we in the Pauline church age times think about this. We look and say, yeah, they're praising God for the great works that were done because they were thinking about bringing in that kingdom. But what they really needed, we see now, was to know about his death, burial, and resurrection. But you know what? Jesus doesn't stop and explain all that. He just says, let's just let them make a big noise. Amen. Because the more praise that comes on me, the better it is. And next thing you know, in the book of Acts, they're preaching and that stuff was spreading all over. You know why? Because people had heard about Jesus. And his fame went all through Syria and all around there. So Jesus didn't rebuke their excitement. But the sad part of this is, all this excitement about Jesus did not result in mass salvation. I wish I could tell you it did. I wish I could tell you that when all those crowds came and the whole city of Jerusalem were saying, who in the world is this? That they all got gloriously saved and had a big revival and all showed up in glory. But that's, that's not what happens, is it? We're in the book of John here. Let me read over in chapter 18. John chapter 18 and verse... 38, Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Down in chapter 19 and verse 13, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. 
Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Wow. So here's this crowd saying, King. And a few days later, they're saying, We have no king but Caesar. And give us Barabbas. We won't take Jesus. Now it's good to publicize the name of Jesus. That doesn't mean people are getting saved. You know what they need? They need to receive a Jesus dying on a cross, shedding his blood, being buried and rose the third day. And that's not what these people were ready to do. But not only is mass interest one of the reasons that this desire arises, another one is because of the miracles he does. People are very interested in the miracle working power of the Lord Jesus. The setting for this text here in John chapter 12 uh, verse 9, it says, Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. Amen. Jesus had done that miracle, and a bunch of people were showing up just to see that, just to see the, the sideshow, just to see the power, just to see somebody that could raise somebody from the dead. I will admit, I'd be interested in seeing that myself. <laughs> If you knew for a fact somebody was dead, I'm talking about dead to the place they'd been buried and their body started to rot and stink and then raised from the dead, wouldn't you be interested in asking them what Amen. that was like? Right. Because of miracles. And some people have seen the Lord Jesus did some miracles in some lives in here today. And even though they haven't yet trusted his death, burial, and resurrection to save their souls, they are interested in where that power is coming from. They are interested in saying, what in the world changed that man? What in the world changed that woman? That uh, woman of Samaria, woman at the well, she went running and telling everybody, saying, come see the man that told me everything I did. And when the maniac of Gadara got saved, and all of a sudden he was sitting and clothed and in his right mind, I guess you would call it saved, whatever you'd call it there in the Gospels before the death, burial, and resurrection happened, he turned to Jesus, didn't he? Yes. And some things were changed. And you know what the Lord told him? You go tell them what the Lord's done for you. You know that's a real good way of witness. Amen. Just tell what you used to be like and how Jesus changed you. That is a real good witness and a real good testimony. Because of mass interest, because of miracles, also because of the fact that He's God. Uh, people are interested in God, and yet here's God that came in the form of man. Colossians 2 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You get God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in Jesus. Because he said, I and the Father are one. And he's called the Spirit of Christ. And he himself is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians 2. People are interested in God. Yes. All over this world, all throughout history, you know what they have? They have religion. They have a, a, some manner of worshiping God. Here's another one. 
because he is the mediator between God and men. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. It is popular in our day to say, I don't need a man. You need that one. Yeah. You are hopelessly and forever lost without this one. Amen. Now, this is last. Let's talk about when this desire is seasonal. In other words, when it's a real good time to go learn about Jesus. Now, it's always a good time. The door is always open. I don't ever recommend that you not learn about Jesus. But there are sometimes it is real important, it is real urgent that you learn about Jesus. Number one, when you get feeling guilty. There are some of you that when you're alone and the music is off, and the friends aren't on the phone, and you're left alone with your thoughts, you know some of the stuff you're doing and saying and thinking is not right. One of the great devotional actions is to quote to yourself that verse, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. You know why? Because the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart, he is seeing and hearing all the time. And when you get feeling guilty of that, about that, that's a real good time to seek Jesus. Romans 3.19, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Now if I come and start preaching to you and say, that's bad, you shouldn't be doing that, you shouldn't be saying that, you shouldn't be hanging out with them, You'll probably get mad and fight back against me. Don't ask me how I know. I've tried that. <laughs> and you'll get some mad. Sometimes I wouldn't even condemn anybody. I just bowed down to have a word of prayer. Somebody said, well, don't you think we pray too? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say anybody didn't pray. I just started praying. That's all I did. You never know what might prick somebody's conscience. But let me tell you something. When Brother Bob or no old-fashioned preacher is around and it's just you and God and your thoughts, and you start feeling guilty, don't blame me. That's coming from the Lord. Yes. And quite often in my preaching, the Lord is saying something to you that I didn't even know to say. Amen. Don't blame me. <laughs> this Bible, when you're sitting alone, reading it, things will come up, and don't blame the old-fashioned Baptists. It ain't their fault. That's God speaking to you. There's a lot of things comes from God that we wrongly ascribe to humans so we can fuss about it. Hey, you get feeling guilty, that's a real good time to get looking for Jesus. James 2.10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Yeah. Well, that's enough to put us all in the altar, isn't it? Amen. Have you offended in one point? Of course. Even some of the things that I've bragged about, I hardly ever do. I've done it a few times. <laughs> oh, yeah. John one twenty nine. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. You know what Jesus does? He takes away the sin of the world. When is this a real good time to seek Jesus? Number one, when you're feeling guilty. Here's a good one. In the day of trouble. 
you in trouble in your life, you in trouble in your finances, you in trouble at your job, you in trouble in your marriage, you in trouble in your family, you in trouble with the neighbors, you in trouble some foreign nation is attacking your country. I don't know whatever kind of... You're in trouble with health. That's a real good time to seek Jesus. The Bible says in Psalm 50 verse 15, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Plenty of people got serious about finding God when they found themselves in trouble. Hey, that's a legitimate move. Amen. I hear some people fuss sometimes, Well, don't wait till you're in a bunch of trouble and then call on God. We... Granted, you should do it a lot earlier, but it sure is better to call on him then than never. Amen. Dad was teaching about Jacob in the book of Genesis this morning. He says, boy, he didn't go to the Lord near enough when things were going good. He waited until he was in a big bunch of trouble. Hey, that's better than not doing it at all. Yes. But it sure would have saved him a bunch of that trouble if he had stayed in fellowship with the Lord consistently, wouldn't it? But that thief... With just a few hours left to live on that cross, looked at him and said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Amen. I bet he's glad he did that. <laughs> Don't you know there's plenty of people that said, well, I guess it's too late for me now. I'll be dead any minute. Hey, you find yourself in trouble, say, Lord, remember me. Amen. Don't think it's too late. You have no idea the rewards that dying thief. I, I, there's no telling how many people got saved hearing the story of that dying thief. Not to mention that hymn that we sing. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. I bet every time we sing that hymn, a little bit more reward goes to that thief. I bet every time somebody preaches that and somebody gets saved, a little more reward goes to that thief. You say, I don't have much time to serve God. You give Him everything you got, you don't know what rewards and crowns you may be getting. We've had a little joke going, me and the kids, where if the kids do something wrong, you know, that's one of the jewels coming out of their crown, you know. And if they've done several things wrong, we say, well, your crown's just about gone now. <laughs> hey, listen, you live for God, you don't know what rewards and crowns and jewels or he's getting ascribed to you. You say, I'm not worthy of it. No, but the Lord lets us have it. Day of trouble is a real good time to turn to him. Psalm 91, 15. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Surely he hath borne our what? Griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You know what he did? He took all our trouble for us. That doesn't mean that you won't go through some because the Lord knows it's good for you, but that's a real good time to look for him. When one feels guilty in the day of trouble, here's a good one, in times of spiritual exercises. When you're at church, look for Jesus. Don't worry about what everybody else is wearing. Don't worry about whether or not they smiled enough at you or patted you on the back or laughed at your joke or whatever. Worry about Jesus. Be here to worship the Lord Jesus. You say, well, they don't treat me right. You know, let me tell you something. Baptists are human. Amen. We have every sorry sin that everybody else does. I wish it were not so. But I've been a Baptist long enough to tell you 
we're about as messed up as anybody else. Sure. But we have the Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Now, you won't always be treated right by the Bible-believing Baptist. I am sorry to tell you that. I wish I could tell you different. But you will always be done exactly right by Jesus Christ. When you come to church, you look for Jesus. When you read your Bible, you look for Jesus. When you pray, you get a hold of Jesus. When you witness, you ask for Jesus' help. When you try to provide for your family, when you try to get better from a sickness, you look for Jesus in every spiritual exercise in your whole life. You look for Jesus. When you take the Lord's Supper, you think about Jesus. When you get baptized, you do it because you're following Jesus in believer's baptism. Every spiritual exercise you ever do in your whole life, you look for Jesus at the beginning of it, during it, and after it. He is all in all. Amen. Here's real good times to look for Jesus. When you feel guilty, when you're in the day of trouble, when you're in spiritual exercises. And here's one I hate to say. When you have forsaken Him. I'm speaking to some Bible-believing Baptists here that got saved years ago and there came a time or two in your Christian life you left Him, didn't you? Oh, yeah. That's a real good time to get looking for him. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to die for you. I took a sword out to defend you. And the Lord said, you'll deny me three times before the cock crows. That's right. And he said, if everybody denies you, I won't. And sure enough, he did. That's right. And the cock crowed, reminded him. And about that time, Jesus turned and looked at him. Amen. And he went out and wept bitterly. And then Jesus showed back up after the death, burial, and resurrection and said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. <laughs> Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time. <clears throat> he said, feed my sheep and put Peter back to work. Peter, do you love me? Go and feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Take care of the weak. That's a great old spiritual song hey. I like to sing to myself sometimes. You know, it's a real good time to look for Jesus when you realize you've forsaken Him. Am I speaking to somebody and you've been doing what's fun and you've been doing what's popular and you've been doing what makes money and you've been doing what keeps the sweetheart and you've been doing what wins the ball game and you've been doing what... Whatever! And you've forsaken Jesus. This is a real good time to get back to Him. We'll read to you from the last book of the Bible, that mighty book of Revelation. Revelation, or I'll just read it to you, Revelation chapter 2. Here's a church, a good church. And the Lord brags on this church. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, it says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. What do you do when you've left your first love? Look at verse 5. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. 
or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of this place except thou repent. When you realize you've forsaken him, you've left your first love for him, here's what you do. Repent and go back. Pastor Bill, I remember him preaching this when I was a little boy. He said, uh, remember, repent, and return. You lose your love on the inside, you start back courting him, so to speak, on the outside. Oh, the connection between the inward and the outward worshiping of the Lord. Remember from where you've fallen and repent and do the first works. Return to me. Alright, but that's not the only place. Look here at the very next chapter, Revelation chapter 3. Verse 3. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. Therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. He says, I'm fixing to show up. And you've left me. Here's uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayst, mayst be rich and white raiment that thou mayst be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayst see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Hey, if Jesus is fussing at you, it's because he loves you enough to correct you people that let you go on and doing all your shameful stuff that you're going to soon be embarrassed about are the ones that don't care. Amen. The ones that do love you say, wait a minute, you've been raised better than that. You know better than that. The ones that care enough to correct you are the ones that really love you. The ones that let you go are the ones that couldn't care less. And the Lord Jesus is the one that loves you most of all. And says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. You know when's a real good time to see, seek Jesus? When you realize you've left Him. You've forsook Him. Alright, today we saw Gentiles, some Greeks, seeking Jesus. They're not Jews by birth, but they had come to worship at a Jewish feast and they wanted to see Jesus. They showed up because they realized the power of God was upon Jesus even though they weren't of the right race to be at this thing. I'm going to ask you this. Have you seen Jesus as your personal Savior? Not just as a good man, not just as a prophet, but as the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and especially as your personal Savior. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Don't wait for a tragedy or a rock-bottom experience to wake you up. If you need to be saved, trust the Lord Jesus as your Savior. But maybe you are saved, but you've fallen out of fellowship with Him. If you realize it, this is a real good time to repent and return to the first works. Some of you remember what it was like to be in fellowship with the Lord Jesus. You remember how your heart was full you remembered how your joy was full. There's only one key to getting back to that place.
find Jesus. Find Jesus when you're feeling guilty. Find Jesus in the day of trouble. Find Jesus in your spiritual exercises. And find Jesus if you've forsaken Him. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord,